Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I'm Hilmarie Hutchison and today I am so excited to introduce Surya Ramkumar, a versatile writer based in Dubai. Surya traces her origins to Kerala, India, and has lived across nine countries. Well, her writing is inspired by her roles as a mother, wife, daughter, technologist, business leader, and sustainability advocate. Passionate about leveraging words for social change, Surya's debut novel, The Sky Has Moved Away, delves into themes of love and catastrophe, exploring the profound impact of affection amidst challenging circumstances. Surya, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Hilmary, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Before we get into the book and all that you've done, let's uh, tell our audience a little bit about you, your background and how you ended up here in Dubai. I'm a writer, a novelist based in Dubai. This has not always been the job that I've done. For the last 20 years or so, I've worked in the corporate world, in management consulting, in the technology sector. But writing has always been my dream. The thing that I did every time I had a few minutes, a few hours in the day, I would try to find a piece of paper or type away at my keyboard. So finally, I think last year, I had the opportunity to finally make that dream come true by publishing my book, The Sky Has Moved Away. Growing up in Kerala and then moving to several countries comes with its own set of stories. How have these diverse cultural experiences influenced your writing style and themes? I was uh, born in Kerala, but since then I've lived in nine different countries across three different continents and I've worked and traveled to many more. So this definitely has had a huge influence on my writing, both in terms of themes and style. So when you first leave home and, you know, you see the world around you, you're struck by the differences. Everything feels new, unique, exciting, because it's different from what you have known before. And that is wonderful, of course. But something even more wonderful happens as you travel more. And when you're really ready to let go of anything that tethers you and you travel as free as a bird, of course, you still see the surface differences. But More importantly, you start seeing the similarities. Underneath the different cultures we live in, the different clothes we wear or the food we eat, there is a common fabric of humanity that unites us all. We dream the same dreams, we face the same fears, we share the same joys. And that makes not just different, but united, diverse, but similar. And that is what I try to bring about in my writing. So the themes I write about, whether it's about climate change, motherhood, love, they are universal in nature. And they're relevant to all of us, regardless of where we are born or where we live. But then in my style of writing, I put on filters, which are really the results of my travels, the perspectives that I've gained through the diversity of experiences and cultures that I've seen, bringing to it a specificity of land and place, which makes it a particular story at a particular place at a particular point in time. Fantastic. So, yes, as you mentioned, so in the beginning, once when you first face with new cultures, it's that culture shock. But once you look deeper or dive deeper, people are actually at the core of it. We're all humans and we have those similar experiences as humans. Now, we mentioned in the introduction, and you also mentioned your book, The Sky Has Moved Away. Congratulations, by the way, on having your book published. 
Thank you so much. Can you share your journey with writing this book? What were some of the key milestones and some of the challenges you faced? I wrote the first draft of this book way back in 2009 when I was pregnant with my first child. I had a strict deadline before the due date to actually get the first draft out because, you know, I thought that after that, I'm not going to have the time to write this book. So the first milestone was obviously the first draft. And I think the topic of motherhood was definitely playing on my mind at that time. The reality is after that, actually, the book sat in my draft folder in my hard disk for a very long time. I had other priorities, being a mother, but going back to work and so on. And in some ways, I think the publishing world was also not ready for a book in that theme. I think the heat wave that I described in the book probably sounded way too much of a fiction in 2009, though in 2023, unfortunately, I think it looks more like a reality. So I think the book sat there for a long time. And in terms of milestones, I think one of the things that I did was attend a lot of writing courses during that 13-year period as well, which I think allowed me to, when I came to editing the book, allowed me to give it a much more sort of finesse to the final product. And then in 2023, quite coincidentally, I happened to speak with a publisher here in Dubai, the DreamWork Collective. It was such a wonderful conversation where it became obvious the time had come for this book. The climate fiction and climate change really is really on top of the mainstream consciousness. There is much more need actually for books that tackle this topic. And I think it was just a matter of sort of finding the right moment to bring it out. And it took a lot of work then to kind of pull the book out of it first draft, make it more relevant for, you know, 13 years later, edit. And then the final milestone is obviously the launch of the book. Quite a journey. It certainly wasn't overnight. So as you mentioned, the novel deals with a theme of climate change. How do you hope your writing will impact readers' understanding and perception of this critical issue of climate change? The thing about stories is that stories have a power to make us aware of topics which nonfiction or other forms of writing, it's very hard to do. At the heart of it, humans are storytellers, right? And and we connect to others through stories. We make sense of the world through stories. So in a topic such as climate change, which is very complex and it is riddled with emotions, there is a sense of blame. There is a sense of, oh, we caused it. What should we do to change it? But then it also feels so huge that we often individuals don't know how to approach it. What I hope to do with a story, which is at the heart of it, a story about ordinary people who have to face extraordinary circumstances. It's something that most of us can relate to in some form or the other. And what I hope to do through that is to make this very thorny, difficult topic accessible to a broader audience. I don't want to say to make it simpler, but it is to make it more relatable, to really understand what does it mean to live through the midst of a climate crisis? What is it that you and I as individuals can do? And what is actually the consequence of the actions that we take? I hope that my novel and books like this would help people to relate to topics such as climate change with more understanding, with more awareness, but also with more empathy. Yes, so true. It's so important to raise awareness. And as you say, through storytelling, it makes it maybe a bit easier to raise that awareness rather than through something that's uh, nonfiction. You wrote, this guy has moved away while you were pregnant. You mentioned that. How did motherhood change your view on life and how is that reflected in the book? 
I wrote the first draft of This Guy Has Moved Away when I was pregnant with my first daughter. And the topic of motherhood, our love for our children, and a deep concern for the world we are leaving for our future generations was at the top of my mind. It found its earliest expression in the first draft of this novel. It was not something that I consciously thought of when I wrote the first draft. That was more about writing a story as it came to me. Over time, as I edited the novel, with each iteration, it started becoming more and more clear to me, almost like unearthing a gem that is buried under layers of soil. And there are multiple mother-child relationships that is actually examined in this novel. And all of them are different from each other. And what they do is they ask us to explore various facets of what is the most primary relationship in all of our lives. And through that, it is also an invitation for the reader to explore what I think is the core question of the novel. If we consider Earth as our own mother, would we continue to treat her as we do now? In a way, it is a question of what is our responsibility to Earth and to the future generations who will inhabit the Earth. And I think I came to think about this question mostly because, you know, I was becoming a mother myself. Being at the cusp of motherhood at that time, I wasn't able to articulate those questions and my answers directly. And fiction for me was the way to explore what was the thorny questions then. But over time, actually, they have become even thornier questions. And not just for me, but I think for our entire generation. Another theme that's very prominent in The Sky Has Moved Away is the theme of love amidst catastrophe. How have your personal experiences or observations shaped this portrayal? I have been blessed with a foundation of love, whether it was in childhood with my parents and extended family or my current family with my husband and kids or friends who I have known and cherished for many years in many parts of the world. I would even say with colleagues and professional relationships, even though love is not the word we use, there is a feeling of mutual trust, respect and care, which I've been lucky to give and receive in many of my relationships. But I also know that I have been particularly lucky in this regard. And love is a topic that is often fraught with tension, with fear, with trauma, and many of our most primal emotions. Being Open and vulnerable is the only way to love. And when you're open and vulnerable, you're also susceptible to hurt in many forms. I've had my fair share of that too. Ultimately, love is not something that happens to you, right? It is something that you want with all of your heart, so much so that you're willing to be hurt for it. It is something that you choose despite the pain and suffering because it also brings you joy. But most importantly, it is what makes you human. So in my portrayal of love as a source of resilience, as the emotion that has infinite transformative and redeeming power, I use a broad definition of love, romantic love that is at the center of the novel, but it also has many other tender moments where two people, regardless of their relationship to each other or the circumstances they are in, they treat each other well with care and with love. And that is hugely powerful. And I think this comes from a deeply rooted belief that I have. For us to solve the problems of the magnitude that we face now, we have to embrace love and not just love for our loved ones in the traditional sense, but for everyone in a broader sense of unconditional love for fellow humans needs to permeate our actions and our choices. So interesting how your personal experiences also come to play as you are developing the story. Your advocacy for diversity and inclusion is notable. How does this commitment intersect with the themes or messages you convey through your stories? My stories are told from multiple perspectives, and they tend to be voices and viewpoints that we don't often hear from, whether it's in a fiction or whether it's in real life. 
For example, Ayo, who is one of my favorite characters in my novel, is a con man. He does many things that are not just illegal, but can also make him very unlikable as a person. What I try to do is to show him as who he really is, the world through his eyes, if you will, the circumstances that shaped him, the choices he has had to make in his life, and even the occasional moments of tenderness in his life that you may not normally associate with someone like him. For me, diversity and inclusion is not an abstract concept. It is a very lived experience for many people. I have been an outsider in many contexts, whether it was because I was a woman in an all-male setting or because I was a woman of color where everyone else was white or because I had different values and different experiences from others around me. I think at some point, all of us feel different from others around us. My advocacy for diversity and inclusion comes alive in my stories by imagining a world where all voices are heard. We don't need to agree with everyone. We don't need to endorse their choices, but we can certainly acknowledge their existence and be aware of their perspectives. Because for all of us, regardless of whether we consider ourselves an insider or an outsider, we are only seeing a part. To see the whole, you have to look through the eyes of the other. That belief has permeated all of my work, whether I'm sponsoring a DNI initiative or I'm building up a team, and it definitely intersects with my storytelling through the diversity of characters and their perspectives that I bring to my book. I love that perspective, that you don't need to agree with everyone, at least be able to see things from a different lens. I think that's excellent. How has the book been received so far? The book has had a reception which is beyond my wildest dreams, if I'm honest. So I think it has been received in multiple ways. I think I've been struck by how many people just love the story. And I think a lot of the comments that I'm hearing from people is about, I really liked the love story at the end, at the heart of it, how two characters who are very different come together. And, you know, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but just how their love story develops is one way. I think one of the favorite comments I got was from someone I met recently who said, you know, I have not been able to finish a book for such a long time. I usually read the first few chapters and then I give up. But this story, I had to get see through to the end. And that makes my me very happy as a writer to actually introduce someone back to the world of reading and to give them that power of, you know, I can finish an entire book. I think the other piece that I've been very happy with is there's been a lot of good reception about the book as a climate fiction, as one of the first climate fictions that is coming out from the Middle East. That is especially fulfilling to me because I think this is really a gap in the market. And I think the more books that we have, which addresses such a difficult topic through this lens of stories, I think there is more potential for change. In so many ways, I have been extremely happy with the reception of this book. Excellent. So lovely to get such positive feedback that it's a page turner that someone couldn't put down. Really good. So what's next? Are you working on any exciting new projects right now? Oh, yes, definitely. I think I'm uh, definitely working on a few interesting topics. But I think at the heart of it, it all goes back to my firm belief in the power of words for change. So that is still the path that I will follow in my upcoming works. So without giving away any spoilers, I can say there are a couple of topics I'm looking to explore. And one is on mental health and really looking at diversity in not just who we are, but how we think and how we see the world. And there's another one that I'm exploring, which is more of a historical fiction. And this is about 
going back to the early days of the climate change conversation. This topic we've seen, we know the research for the last 50 years or so, right? So if you go back and put ourselves in the shoes of those who may or may not have been fully aware of the consequences of the decisions they made, and hopefully that will help us reflect too on the choices that we make today. These are two topics I'm exploring. It's it's early stages and I'm researching both. And who knows, they might even converge in one book. Very good. I know mental health is really a very important topic to tackle and to raise awareness around. So that's really something exciting if that's something you can incorporate in your next project. Now we've come to the segment of our show where I'll ask you some rapid fire questions, our version of a game show. Are you ready? Absolutely. What does your ideal writing location look like? In my library at my desk, I have a shelf full of books or actually a wall lined with books. And I think that's where I get my most inspired to write. Who is your favorite author? Ishiguro. I think uh, one of his books, Never Let Me Go, has had a huge impact on me. He's one of my favorite writers. Lovely. What is your favorite cuisine? I do like Indian food. Simple Indian vegetarian food still has my heart. What is your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. I can eat it all day long. What is one thing you do every day, no matter how busy you get? I start my day with a simple yoga routine, followed by at least 10 to 15 minutes of um, meditation. Oh, excellent. Thank you for playing along. That was easy enough. Before we wrap up, I would like to ask you about your Green Pill moment. What Green Pill advice would you give to your younger self? I think the advice I would give to my younger self would be to choose for discomfort. I think in some ways I have always chosen for discomfort in my life. So it's not so much to do something different or to make different choices, but I would advise my younger self to be much more comfortable with choosing for discomfort. I realize that might sound like a contradiction, but essentially, you know, we tend to think of the status quo as sort of being the less risky, more secure option. What I've realized through life is that's often not the case. As human beings, we are meant to evolve, to change, transform, learn and grow. And it's okay to choose for the less traveled path. So I think if I could go back and tell my younger self to choose for discomfort, but also don't be too scared in doing so. Just go ahead and do that. And that's the way to live life to the fullest. I think that's really good advice. If we choose for discomfort, it's the way to learn and grow. I think that's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your fantastic story with us, Surya. It was so good to have this conversation with you. And I'm so sure our audience will thoroughly enjoy this conversation. Before we say goodbye, could you please tell our listeners where they can find and follow you? And we'll also put this in the show notes. Thank you, Hilmary, for having me over. It's been a great pleasure having this conversation. I would love to have the, the readers join me. You can find all my social media links on my website, suryaramkumar.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, whereas, which is where I am uh, most active. Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining me today. I wish you all the very best. And for sure, I'll be following your journey and looking forward to seeing what you come up with next. Thank you so much. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.